This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. But anyway, we're going to get right back into Ecclesiastes. I'll try to get my thoughts on it. But Got a few things here that's uh, really good that I got into. I'll kind of pick up where I left off after I get started here. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And we're, we're all on changing seasons, different seasons that come and different seasons that go. We know we've got them like we're right now. We're changing from fall to winter very shortly. We're still in the middle of fall now. But it's, the book is mainly talking about seasons in our life that come and go. In chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, verse 4, one generation passes away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abides forever. I could get into global climate change, which I think is a big joke, a big hoax. There's no such thing in it. The earth from the beginning of time has been heating up and cooling down. And this book says that as long as the earth remains, there's going to be winter and there's going to be summer and there's going to be season change, period. Somebody shutting down a plant is not going to change the climate. Somebody starting up a plant is not going to change the climate. God has it all in control and government is not going to fool him. It's all a big hoax to make a lot of money for a whole lot of people. The, the earth is not going to heat up to an extent where it disappears without God allowing it to happen. If climate changes the way this world is going in, it's not going to be because of government doing anything. It's going to be because God has allowed it to happen. And that's the season that he's allowed. In fact, he prophesied through Christ himself that in the end times there were going, there were going to be seasons changed that was going to confuse everybody. So it's all playing into the end of times, but it has nothing to do with carbon this and carbon that going up into the air and causing it to change. God is allowing it to change. And it's a big joke that so many people are duped into thinking, if I sink all my money into here, India is going to shut down. Their, it's going to change this climate in this world. Just ain't gonna happen, folks. And people are, how do I say? People are stupid. They're really stupid. Ignorance can be changed with knowledge. Stupidity, there is no hope for it. You can't fix stupid. Yeah, I'm gonna send hundreds of thousands of dollars to a government that's gonna change the moon so the moon will see. The Bible says in one, in in Psalms 104 that he's appointed the moon to change the seasons. Not a chemical plant. Not a coal mine. Not a government. The moon changes the seasons. People are ignorant. Anyway, enough on that. But I'm just getting, getting into this. That, that one generation comes... When this generation that we're in now passes away, they'll still be talking about now it's cool enough. Do you know there's more polar bears in Alaska now than it was 100 years ago? The polar bears have just exploded in, in birth. 
Then they said that by, by Al Gore said that 15 years ago that the glaciers were going to melt and the earth was going to flood. It ain't happening, folks. I'm not talking on climate change. I'm talking about seasons that God is, nobody can figure out the work of God from the beginning to the end. It's impossible. And he has declared that. When our generation is gone, another generation will come up and it'll be something else that they'll try to fear monger people into doing nothing but giving them money and, uh, and power. So the book, Ecclesiastes, where we've been into, we're talking about is the book of man under the sun. While we're alive, the best we can do apart from redemption, the best that we can do, knowing that there is a holy God and that he's going to bring everything into judgment, everything. Another 50 years, let me tell you something, another 50 years, every one of us are going to be judged for our life. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're going to flip through some several scriptures here. The, 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 now we're talking now, we're not talking, the, the Ecclesiastes is about not salvation, not redemption, not, is knowing that there's a holy God, the best for us and the best that we can do while we're alive with what we've got. Just this brief vapor of time that we have in this life, what is the best that we can possibly do? He said, all of our days are sorrow, but you have to find some kind of way to make some kind of happiness for you. So I'm going to go through a couple of verses here in the scripture as Solomon has pinned them down. But he got a lot of his writings from his father, passed down from David. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, he states this statement several times through Ecclesiastes, several times. You just missed a good speech on climate change, brother. I'm telling you. I ought to start it back up just so you can hear it. <laughs> but bottom line, it's a joke. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. We'll keep on with it. Chapter 2, verse 24. Solomon, the wisest man that ever walked and ever lived, there is nothing better. He's talking about it. outside of salvation, outside of your fear of God, outside of your... He went and saw outside of everything. There's nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Now that's hard to do sometimes because right above that it says in verse 23, it says, for all his days are sorrows. Man, all of his days are sorrows and his travail grief. That means we're going to fight it tooth and nail from cradle to the grave. Nothing but sorrow. But you have to make yourself enjoy some things in your life and, uh, and enjoy good in his labor. This also, I saw it was from the hand of God. So you can prosper a little bit and prosper a little bit, but you have to take time. Even if it's just sitting on your couch and doing nothing and just reflecting on, on how good he actually has been to you. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 22. I'm going to bounce around with a couple of verses here and then get into the part of the lesson I really want. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 22. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who's going to bring him to see what shall be after him? Don't worry about anything else outside of redemption now. But work and eat and enjoy the good in your labor that God has given you for the brief time you're here on this earth. Because it ain't going to all be gone someday. I know, brother, that my heart's heavy. You're 
your your father's heavenly birthday's coming up in just a couple of days, and I'm and I, I feel for that because I I think about it, we just been, celebrated my the eleventh of uh, my dad's birthday, but I know you you're coming up on that, and I've been praying for you, brother. I know it. I know it's hard. I know it's so hard, and you miss him, and uh, I just know that that's uh, right here at you, brother, and I'm praying for you. Okay, so who's going to bring you here to see what's after you? Nothing. You can work, 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 and build all this up, which we're going to get in quite a bit of that later. And all of a sudden, you leave it, and somebody else is here, and it, it, it meant absolutely nothing. That's vanity. All this stuff, to leave it all behind, and it meant absolutely nothing. Uh, everything we argue about, everything we fight about, everything we fret about, everything we do, sun up to sundown, 365 days a year, if we die tonight, what I did Thursday didn't matter. What I did last year on, on this date didn't, doesn't matter. The only thing that's going to matter is if I'm right with God, if I have to meet him tonight. Okay, now Ecclesiastes 5.18, we're going to cover one more of these. Ecclesiastes 5.18, Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun the days of his life, which God giveth him, for this is his portion. He's saying, look, enjoy your life while you got it because it's going to be gone just like that. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't make fret about it. Don't fight about it. Don't fuss and feud about it. Don't get all caught up in stuff about it. Just enjoy your life because it's going to be here and gone just like that. Okay, now we're going to jump back and I'm going to move on ahead. With that being said, that you know, take, keep that in context because that's what the knowledge that there is a holy God and everything is going to be judged. This is outside of redemption. This is what we've got with what we've got while we're alive under the sun. Once we're gone, we won't remember nothing. People won't remember us. In in a, in a hundred years, my name will never be mentioned one time anywhere on this earth, ever. And that's every one of us, unless we do something to mark ourselves in history. Ecclesiastes three one: To everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven. That's everything. Okay, so we're going to go ahead to chapter 5 because we're going to move on where I left off last week. But that's talking about every single thing in life. It's only a season. It's only a time. It's only... Like I know my father. His life was just a season. He passed away. It hurts. But that season and that time to be born and time to die, he met that. And that's something we have to face in life. But that's hard, but that's what all of us have to go through. It's just, it's a season, it's a time. The time that I had with him, oh, how I wish I could go back and spend just another hour. But it's gone. Okay, so that's, that season, that point in time, that was his purpose. His purpose, I could get into his purpose quite a bit, but that was his season and that was his time. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. In verse 9, talking about the earth under the sun while we're alive. 
The prophet, moreover, the prophet of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. The context of what Solomon is talking now, if you spend all your life trying to gain, 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 riches, 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 homes, 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 and not enjoy yourself at all at any time, and you're totally focused on possessions in this earth, and die, it means nothing. We'll leave everything for somebody else to enjoy, and we have wasted so much of our life not being happy, not being... Um, prosperous in our spirit not sowing to the to, to, for treasures in heaven but all this stuff left for somebody else and it meant absolutely nothing and uh, let's see I'm gonna, with that being said let me, let's flip over here real quick to Matthew chapter 6 Jesus himself talked about that and, and this is the context of what uh Solomon's actually talking about. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I want to mark my place here in this one. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. That doesn't mean pay your bills and have a nice home and have a nice eat and enjoy the fruit of your life. But don't let that be your focus in life as stuff, things that's going to dead. Let's finish it. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your, your heart be also. And what Jesus is saying is basically the same thing Solomon says. Back in Ecclesiastes, and the whole book of Ecclesiastes is, don't... Put your entire life on all this stuff and then you're going to die and leave it for somebody else. Don't let that be your focus. Live your life knowing that there is a holy God. He's going to judge everything. Spend a moment of time in prayer. Spend a moment of time reading the Bible. Spend a moment of time getting close to Him. Build a relationship with God because we're going to be with Him a whole lot longer than we are down here with, with all this stuff. We could check out tonight, next week, next month, next year so what I'm saying about that is what I did last week don't matter what I did last year last year doesn't matter what I do today matters because now today I'm in church I can enjoy this I might not be here tonight so I'm gonna suck up every bit of it I can and and just be thankful that I got another day to breathe because tomorrow I might not have that and here's Let's let's continue on with this part here in verse 22 because this is another part of you can tell where somebody's treasure is. You 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 can look at somebody and see where their happiness really is. The light of the body is the eye. If the eye be, if therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light in thee there's darkness, how great is that darkness? Now what that means is basically this right here is what Jesus was teaching us. You ever seen people, let me put this down, this is going to fall. No eye contact. They're walking. Negative. Talking. Negative. They're always hiding. Hiding behind something. The light in their body is dark. 
there's something wrong. You see somebody that's, hey, brother, it's good to see you tonight. Hey, man, you know, hey, brother, brother Brian, sure, I'm glad you're here. You, the light in the body is light and it's full of light, and you can see that their whole body is lit up. The light, they're, they're not bound. They're not in bondage. That light in them, how great is that lightness? It's so refreshing to be around somebody happy. I can't, it's hard. I, when somebody's all negative all the time, I mark them people and I see, I see them, I say, well, let me go out this door. <laughs> you see me running, I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking about this store. You see all these people getting up in this grocery store and they're at the aisle and they're, you can just see them eat up with it, man. Just waiting for conflict. Man, I'm going to get in this aisle, man. I don't want no part of that. It, it's just, it's, it's, when a light is in somebody's face and their eyes, their face shines and, and you're attracted to that. And that's when Christ comes into our heart and people see that happiness. They want to be around that. It makes them feel better. And that's an opportunity just to smile as a witness. Just a handshake as a witness. Just eye contact with people. It, it makes a difference. You look at somebody and you look at them and you like that. Watch their expression, but you look at them. Hey, like you're generally good to see them. They automatically smile. And that's the Christian life. Okay. Let's see. Where am I? Okay. When, verse 11 of chapter 5. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, save and beholding them with their eyes? Okay. Then it says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat a little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Therefore, the sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. What that means is you hoard everything up, you hoard everything up, and you got it all, in, and you got all the stuff piled up, and you die, and it's gone. They got nothing out of this life. Nothing out of this life, but something that they've left for somebody else to enjoy, and they've been miserable their whole life, worrying about losing it. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm not going to get into that, because I know, I know several people personally that have, that, well, I'll take, I'll, I will do this. My, my father-in-law, he died, uh, I guess it's been seven or eight years ago. He was really, really well off. And uh, we went to uh, Rome with him and my mother-in-law and my wife. We all went to Rome. And the man, he, he, he never spent a dime in his life, but could have. And we were going to take the trolley from place to place instead of a cab. And he would always walk around. He said, man, you got to watch all these people here. They could knock you in the head and take all your money. Well, your money's in the bank. You only have a few euros in your pocket. What are you worried about that for? He worried, 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 sick. And this man got Alzheimer's and got sick. This was not my wife's original father. This was my, my mother-in-law. We had remarried. And he left a total fortune. I mean, a whole lot of money for somebody else. And he, he, he worried, 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 and died like that and left it all. We were out on his dock fishing, 
He lived on the International Coastal Waterway when he first started getting sick. And he said to me, he said, what would it take for you to move down here and take care of me? And I said, I'm not doing that. I said, I've got my church. I've got my family. I've got my ministry. I said, it would take, take, all, it would take money. It would take a whole shift in, in things to happen at home for me to do that. But, I said, but, I, but it gave me, it opened the door. I said, do you know why I believe why I believe and why I'm so strong about it? And I got the chance to go back into prophecy from the very beginning, how sin came into the world, how the Christ was prophesied, and how, and I went through the entire uh, forecast of Christ coming, his death, burial, and resurrection, and got to witness the entire plan of salvation to him. He never once, only thing he could say, that's interesting. That's the, that's the closest, and I mean, I've witnessed to him probably 10 years. That's the closest thing I've got to him in salvation. That's interesting. Whether he was saved, whether he was lost, or not, I do not know, but I do know one thing. The minute he closed his eyes in death, he realizes, man, I could have helped a whole lot of people. I help nobody. My point being, this is, this is what this verse means. There's a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, verse 13, namely riches kept for the owners to their hurt. I mean, he never enjoyed his life doing anything. Nothing. He had like 15 storage units down in Florida that he, he had built from scratch. He was a construction man. And once he built them, they were heated and everything else. And People all over, some very falutin' people put stuff in there that uh, that he stored for them. So that's how he ended up doing for a living. But verse 15, as he came forth out of his mother's womb, this talking about life here under the sun, naked shall he return and go as he came, shall take nothing with him of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. This also is a sore evil that in all points, as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? That's a question. He labored for the wind? This is talking about all of us. What are we working for? You got to take time and enjoy yourself doing something. Don't focus your entire life on, on things that don't matter. What matters is the only thing that we're going to check out with and see in heaven that we had part of in this earth is people that we won to the Lord people that we have influenced positively so that they accepted Christ. I mean, you know, I can shake your hand in a store and if you leave happy and you share gospel with somebody and you won't go do that, but you feel better about it now, you know, that's whoever you went to the Lord, that's seed in my life. You know, you, you don't have to personally take this Bible and sit down with somebody and lead them to Christ to use your life to lead somebody with Christ. All you got to do is be a magnet to them to start knocking and searching. And God will reward you openly for your, for your faithfulness. He can see the heart. Okay. Let's, I got to move on. Okay. I told you I would get to this next part. This was last week. Now I'm going to get right back into where we were. Okay. We're going to jump ahead to chapter 7. Okay, verse 16. 
This is, I, I touched on this a little bit last time. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? What that means is, don't be so heavenly minded where no earthly good, where all we do is be people of the Bible. You're wrong, you're wrong. Do this, do this. You can't do it. No, you just live your life happy. People will be attracted to that. The more you try to browbeat people with the Bible, that turns people off. They don't want to see that. They don't want to hear that. You have, that you have to, like if somebody's sitting there starving, if you feed them and, and make a friend, you can talk to them. But if you all of a sudden just come up to somebody who's hungry and start, you know, why are you like this? Why are you, you know, it's just, if you meet them at their needs, where they are, and make a friend, then they open themselves up and you can talk to them. So it, to, 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 prove, to try to prove somebody how much you know about this book, how righteous you are, how, how, how much you know and how long you've studied, and all, to make a point with that publicly out there, that don't good, go good with people. They don't want to hear that. Because we're all the same. Every one of us are the same. You can take them fat, skinny, black, white, yellow, whatever, and stand them all right up in here and take this flesh away in, in God's sight. Every one of us look exactly the same. We've got the same wants. We've got the same needs. We've got the same desires, the same hurts, the same sufferings, the same cry. So when we find people that are in need and we can meet that need, then it's easy to minister to them whether they ever accept Christ or not, but we're doing what we should do as Christian people. Because here's number, verse 20. There is not a just man upon the earth. How about that? There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Take heed to all, and also take no heed to all the words that are spoken, lest you hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes thou also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. So if somebody says something and don't, what he's saying here is don't get so offended over every little thing. Every little thing you hear, every little thing you say, oh, I didn't like that. See, there's no, not going to be any opinions in heaven. Not one opinion will be in heaven ever, never. Opinions are here. Now, the preacher is preaching really good on some stuff that I, is real thought-provoking to me on Wednesday nights. It's been really good. There's a difference in doctrine and interpretation in private study. Doctrine, the cardinal doctrine, you know, your salvation, the virgin birth, the resurrection. You know, some things that you can't dabble with that. But when I read stuff like Ecclesiastes and all, you might get something different out of what I'm reading. And that's okay. That's, it's, that, that, I'm not teaching doctrine. I'm teaching life in general. And you might read the same verse and get something completely different out of it. So I'm not changing doctrine. This is just the way in my study that I'm studying it. Okay. Now, here we're going to go in where I said I was going to finish up. Where I actually finished last time. Verse 24. Verse 23. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said, I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off, exceeding deep, who can find it? 
I applied my heart to know and to search out and to seek out wisdom by the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly. Folly in this context, in this Bible, if you study it, is anything that, that causes you to not think about God. Or to, 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 uh, anything that destroys your spiritual closeness with the Lord. It could be a divorce. It could be finances. It could be an argument with uh, anybody. It could be an opinion. It could be something that takes your mind off of the fact that Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross and died for us. And if it won't for that salvation, I'd die and go to hell. You know, folly is anything that distracts us spiritually from a relationship with the Lord. And that could be anything that's thrown in here. Okay, let's see. I applied my heart to know and to search out and to seek out wisdom. This is verse 25 of chapter 7. And the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness of madness. Now these next few verses here, I'm still studying. I'm drawing several conclusions from them. And I'm just giving you my one of my interpretations of it. There are many. This is not doctrine. So this don't, don't say, well, I don't read it that way. I don't see it that way. I don't. This is just my study like the pastor teaches on. This is his study. So look at it this way. This is just one conclusion. I've got four more that I won't have time to get into this morning. This is just one of them with these next ones. Because this part, I do not know it all. I do not understand it all. Some of it is very confusing. This, these passages, these next four verses here, to me are some of the most confusing. I've been through this Bible right here. I'm on my 29, I'm on my 30th time. I've been cover to cover 29 times. I'm on my 30th. In all of my study, there's probably a half a dozen that are really confusing to me, and these are one of them. So my interpretation, let's get to that. I find more bitter, verse 26, than death, the woman whose heart is snares and riches and her hands are bonds, who so pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken with her. Now the context of that verse right there is not just talking about a woman because it starts talking about adultery and all that. It's not so much as talking about the woman being the snares, talking about anything that is vanity and snares you to where you don't think about God where you don't think about things that are spiritual. Okay, let's go. keep on going. I first, let's read it again. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands is bonds, bands. Whoso pleadeth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, I have found, saith the preacher, this is Solomon talking, the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account. What he went back in his lineage, if you, there's, there's other verses I don't have time to get to. He went back in his lineage to Adam, the very first man. He said, one by one by one by one. I went into the account all the way to myself. This is where he's at. He took an account one by one. He traced the lineage. Who, who birthed him? Who birthed him? Who birthed him? Who birthed him? All the way back to Adam. Okay, verse 27 again. Behold, I have found, says the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but have not found a woman among all those I have not found. 
Okay, if you go back from Adam, I don't have time to get into the prophecy that David, his father, gave him about Christ coming. This one man, he didn't, he's not saying he just took a thousand men and there's not one amount of it. The context of what he's talking about, humanity, the small percentage, he's only found one man ever prophesied that was worthy. One man that was prophesied that is shed, that, that was sinless, that did not have the lineage of the, the first fallen sin from Adam that was birth, 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 because we're all sinners. If you look at the context, he says there's nobody that in this earth that's not a sinner. And it may, it's interpreted as one man, the Messiah, among all the sons of men, which were free from the original sin. Now that's powerful. Because David, I don't have time to, to, next time I will, I'll go into the scriptures to show you where David said he was wounded for it. Well, that's Isaiah. Where he prophesied, his visage was marred and his beard was plucked. And he said, well, I might have to get into it now. Well, we'll get, I'll get to it. I might have five minutes to do that. From the written simple, one woman among all the daughters of Eve, I have not found clear of it. See, Eve, from the woman, there has not been a woman that was sinless. There has not been a woman that was that could die on a cross and shed the blood for for mankind. There has not been a woman free from an earthly lineage where the seed of sin was passed through genetically. See, that's what it's all about is when Adam and Eve fell and the original sin was actually from Lucifer, but the first earthly original sin, when Adam and Eve fell, the sin nature took on. And so every single person that they birthed was born with the seed of sin and sin nature in their body. And that's where the need of salvation comes in. So born of a woman, there's not been one that has not been, that has been supernaturally God sent. See, God placed into the Virgin Mary, the Son of God. He is the only one ever that, is, that, that was free from the original sin. The only one. And this is what Solomon is basically trying to tell us here is that he is, he is not, he's they found one man among a thousand. He's what he's saying out of all the accounts. There's never been one that's done wrong, that hadn't done wrong. There's never been one that hasn't sinned. There's never been one worthy to be called the Son of God, but Jesus Christ Himself. Of a woman, I haven't found any. Let's, let's, it, you know, it, it's not prophesied, and, it, and that's 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 still confusing. I got some. I got three other things I'll cover on that next time. But but verse twenty nine. Lo, this only have I found that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out their many inventions. Okay, well, let's cover a few of those things that, that while I got a minute here. Psalms 89, to show you where David has actually was teaching his son about Christ coming. Several of them. I don't want to leave it blank. Let's see, this is, you, might, you might read this and get something completely different out of it. I'm not saying that it's gospel with me. But I study, I study and study because I want to learn. I want to know. I want to, I want to understand. Psalms 89, verse 3 and 4. This is God talking to David. And David is sharing this with Solomon further on. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto my David's servant, my David, my servant, thy seed will I establish forever. 
and build up thy throne to all generations. That is a prophecy that David, through your seed, is going to come, the lineage of Christ. Christ is going to sit on your throne forever. And you're going to be, he's going to sit on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. That was prophesied. Okay. Verse 29, verse 36 of the same chapter. His seed also will I make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. If it's, Let's see. My covenant, verse 34, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God is telling David that I'm going to send the Messiah through your lineage. I'm going to take the the Virgin Mary and I'm going to place my son into her womb and she's going to have a son. And he's going to sit on your throne forever and ever. I'm running out of time. That's why I'm paraphrasing the next few scriptures that I'm getting to. Psalms 132.11. And I'm going to have to finish up. Psalms 132, verse 11. I think that's it anyway. Oh, Lord. 132, verse 11. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set up thy throne. Now, there's other scriptures that we can bounce back to here. I'm, I'm completely out of time. Yeah, I'm going to have to develop that next time. I hate running out of time. But if I get there, I'm going to be about 20 other scriptures. So Solomon's basically saying in these other verses, you know what? My father told me Christ would come, and I might not ever see the Messiah. He didn't know. He said, but the Messiah is going to come through our lineage, and he's going to be the only one worthy, the only one ever from, from the original sin separated. There's only one. And out of all the women, there's not one. He's speaking of Eve. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.